Welcome to Minnesota Military Radio. I'm your host, Tom Lyons. On today's show, this is our annual year in review with the Adjutant General of the Minnesota National Guard and the Director of the Minneapolis VA Healthcare System. Joining me now is Major General Sean Mankey, who assumed the duties as Adjutant General of the Minnesota National Guard in August of 2020. General Mankey, welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio. Hey, Tom. Thanks for having me again. It's always great to be on Minnesota Military Radio. Sir, I look forward to this show every year where we can take a look back at uh, 2022 and and, uh, see what kind of things we've accomplished and then look forward to uh, 2023 and see what's coming up. But before I get to that, I have to ask you one question, sir. Go ahead, Tom. Do you miss flying helicopters? You, you know I do. I mean, uh, it's uh, it was fantastic when I got to do it, and I, I miss uh, aviation uh, wholeheartedly. But uh, I'm fortunate that I get to work with the, those great aviators and mechanics who maintain not only our helicopters, but uh, you know our F-16s up in Duluth and our C-130s with the 133rd. So now that you're the adjutant general, you get to sit in the in the good seat up front in the in the helicopter, but they don't let you fly them anymore. No, I don't. I don't get to fly anymore. I, you know, I could probably finagle my way into the simulator if I really wanted to, but uh, you know, I guess uh, I I got the opportunity to fly for dang near thirty years of my army career, so I feel pretty fortunate for that. Well, and it's good experience that you understand everything about those aircraft and the pilots and the people that have to take care of them and keep them maintained. I, I do. And, and, you know, how quickly uh, I realize that uh, proficiency, you know, you probably won't want me sitting up front in a helicopter anymore, at least until I got some refresher training, because there's a lot of stuff you forget. Well, we need to take care of you, sir, so we'll let those current pilots do, That's <laughs> take right. care of the flying. General, when you took over as adjutant general, you set some priorities. Can you remind us what those were? Yeah, so my uh, number one priorities are people uh, and then uh, modernization. Uh, so modernization, making sure that we have relevant equipment uh, at the same pace as the active Army and, and the active Air Force uh, so that we're fielding new equipment to our soldiers and airmen. And then partnerships, and uh, many partnerships, uh, much like the partnership we have with Minnesota Military Radio, but, uh, you know, our interagency partners uh, – um, you know, HSCM, uh, Commissioner of Public Safety, uh, State Patrol, MnDOT, all those partners. And then, of course, our, our Aligned for Training partners with the 34th Infantry Division on the Army side and then uh, likewise on the Air side. And then, uh, you know, then we have our international partners. Um, you know, we have the uh, SPP partner of Croatia, which we've been in a partnership with them for over 25 years, as well as... Uh, you know, reciprocal troop exchange with Norway, which uh, this year we'll celebrate our 50th year since that started. You know, we had a couple of years where we did not execute because of COVID, but uh, this year will be marked 50 years, and uh, we're going to ha- recognize that uh, milestone achievement uh, both here in Minnesota and then uh, as well in uh, Trondheim, Norway. Yeah, and we'll talk about that a little more in the second segment, but uh, all of these partnerships have an impact on your troops. Uh, one one agency you didn't mention was the uh, Corps of Engineers here in Minnesota, and we'll be coming up on springtime in a few months, and uh, we'll see what this recent uh, snow is doing to us for the winter. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and we were up uh, up in International Falls last spring, uh, June time frame, and we were up there with some soldiers helping out in the community, filling some sandbags at the regional sandbag staging site, and uh, there was two Corps of Engineers uh, Army officers up there uh, providing guidance to the 
uh, incident manager up there as well. Did all those partnerships fit together somehow and, and uh, inform your duties for next year, don't they? And, and they do. And, you know, and uh, to me, they're really important. And it's, uh, you know, it's about the relationship that you establish with those agencies before you actually have to work with those agencies, which is important. I mean, it's a lot easier if, uh, if you know at least a face and a name and have talked to them before you're actually out there uh, where the rubber meets the road. And you're working on that every day. General, uh, your first uh, priority was people. I think you got some people back home last year, and you probably deployed a few more. Absolutely. You know, Tom, uh, we welcome back uh, Task Force 1094 uh, from uh, their deployment to CENTCOM, where they were in uh, in Kuwait. Uh, but they really did training all throughout the, the, the CENTCOM area responsibility, and then they were integrally involved with the with they're all from Afghanistan. Um, you know, our soldiers in uh, 1194 were there, uh, some of the last soldiers out of HKI, and they provided security for the for the airport as we evacuated uh, both the U.S. people and uh, Afghani um, people from Afghanistan to the United States. Uh, you know, really tip-of-the-sword type people. Uh, likewise, we had our Chinooks uh, that were in... In um, primarily in Iraq and Kuwait, uh, supporting the mission over there, Operation Inherent Resolve, and, and they returned. And then, um, you know, our 148th Fighter Wing had a big mission, heavy lift. Uh, they were in the CENTCOM Air of Operation as well last year, and they came home this summer. So three big deployments. And likewise, we have um, our regional support group, uh, which is over in Kuwait right now. They're getting ready to come back probably in the next 60 days. Um, and they're doing great work over there doing theater logistics. And, uh, and then we have our 147th um, Human Resources Company who is over in uh, Kuwait right now running the theater gateway. So processing people as they come out of theater back to the States. Uh, you know, just recently over there visiting with the governor, um, they're pro- they say they got the best job in the Army because they're processing all the people as they come back out of theater. We're speaking with Minnesota's Adjutant General, Major General Sean Mankey, on Minnesota Military Radio. Uh, General, uh, modernization was your second priority. Uh, I'm sure you've been working on that since you took over. Absolutely. You know, and uh, on the Army side, uh, we have uh, a timeline for modernizing our 1st Armored Brigade combat team. Uh, Both are, recently we just modernized our howitzers, our 109 howitzers, and then we're going to get our uh, M1 Abrams modernized as well as our Bradleys. And then on the air side, we are modernizing uh, the the 133rd. Uh, you, you've you know they've had some propeller issues, so all of those aircraft are getting modded with new uh, propellers, eight blade propellers, which increase the performance and maintenance aspects of those aircraft to make them better. And then uh, you know we recently stood up our Devardi in the division. Uh, that's the first division artillery um, in the National Guard. Uh, of the eight divisions in the Army National Guard, that's the first one that is being stood up, and we just will uncoil their flag here in October of last year. In general, I'm hearing there's a number of uh, retired Minnesota Guard soldiers that are pretty excited about Devardi. There are. You know, and uh, and Tom, it's the old adage, old book, new idea, new book, old idea, and Devardi's used to be a big part of the uh, divisions. Uh, you know, when I started my, cut my teeth as a lieutenant and a captain in, in the Army, and uh, it's coming back. In general, your third priority was partnerships, and uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the fact that you have the federal mission and the state mission. Fortunately, it seems like the state missions have settled down a little bit since COVID and and some of the problems from last year. Yeah, you know, and and we are very fortunate. uh, You know, and and we commented before the show, Tom, I think we're in a different 
space with COVID. Uh, just, uh, you know, the public has taken the precautions. We're living with it. I mean, you know, I, I was a little bit under the weather earlier this week. And, you know, today I took a test at home and you passed and, uh, you know, you're negative. So you, you stay home, you isolate, and then you can come to work. And then, uh, you know, civil unrest, knock on wood, has been quiet. And I, I think, uh, you know, the governor doesn't want to use a garden in those roles if he doesn't have to. Uh, but we're prepared and ready if, if we need to. And, uh, you know, luckily we've been out on the state side. I uh, haven't been needed. And then, uh, you know, internationally, we... Uh, we have been helping Croatia. They just fielded uh, UH-60 and Mike Model Blackhawk, so we've had a lot of soldiers over there instrumental in the success of that getting off the ground. And what an exciting time to be over there. You know, Croatia just uh, went very far in the World Cup, and we had some soldiers over there doing some training at the time. So I know it was a great experience for them. General, we just got about a minute left, but we've heard some comments uh, over the last couple of years from your soldiers and airmen about being able to help their friends and neighbors through tornadoes and all kinds of emergencies and COVID and all the things that happened. They're pretty, pretty proud of the fact they've been able to help their friends and neighbors and family. Absolutely. And, and, you know, I, I, I pick up on that same thing when I'm talking to some of our soldiers and airmen and, and that's a benefit of being in the Minnesota national guard. You know, not only do you get to do your federal mission, which we talked about earlier with soldiers being deployed, but you really get to serve in your community, uh, whether it's, uh, helping with flooding or fires or, or, you know, uh, God forbid some of the stuff that we did with the pandemic and whatnot, but, uh, we were needed. And, uh, while we didn't probably want to do that mission, I think some of the soldiers that I talked to and some of the airmen that I talked to really valued their opportunity that they got to contribute to their community and, and serve in their community as well. In general, I would help that. I would think that that would help with your recruiting. Uh, you know, we're off to a great year this year. Uh, and like I said, things are kind of, uh, more back to normal. I mean, events are happening. Uh, it's planned. You know, the previous couple of years we had some access issues in schools, uh, but this year I'm happy to say that we are, you know, our, our October and November were very good months for the Minnesota National Guard, and, and uh, we're continuing to really focus on retention to uh, maintain our strength because our people are our most important resource, and without people, soldiers and airmen, we simply can't do what we need to do. Thank you, sir. We have to take a short break. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Major General Sean Mankey. This is Minnesota Military Radio. Please stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio. I'm your host, Tom Lyons. We've been talking to Major General Sean Mankey, Minnesota's Adjutant General for the uh, Minnesota Air and Army National Guard. And, General, you spent uh, your whole career in the Army National Guard. You were a helicopter pilot. We talked about that in the first segment. Is it uh, how different is it for when you became adjutant general to have to not only do things you're familiar with on the army side but also you're in charge of uh, two air national guard bases yeah you know tom and you know it goes back to my number one priority is our people and uh I, i've got we've got some great people on the air side as well you know i rely heavily on uh Brigadier General uh, Blomquist and Brigadier General Gabrielli to help me on the air side. And, you know, our, our C-cell, Chief Master Sergeant Lisa Erickson, uh, does a phenomenal job and really relying on the people to help guide me, uh, you know. And uh, it's uh, it, it, a lot of the basics are the same, but, uh, you know, a lot of the um, fine details are a little bit different on what, how the Air Guard does things as opposed to the Army Guard, but uh, rely on my people to help help keep me informed. And, I, I believe in uh, trusting my subordinates until they prove otherwise. So um, kind of let them, you know, we set some guidelines, set some milestones and some objectives, and, and uh, we go after them. And they're, 
they're better off figuring out how to get after it than me directing every step of the way. And um, like I said, with the people we have, I'm fortunate that we're able to achieve a lot of those objectives. And sure, it has to help that uh, you were a pilot, a helicopter pilot, and, and a lot of those things can transfer over to C-130s and F-16s. Yeah, I, I think it does. And, you know, especially when we look at the maintenance and the uh, detail of maintenance that needs to happen in aviation maintenance, whether it's a rotary wing or a fixed wing. I mean, that's where the rubber meets the road. I mean, let's face it, they call the, you know, they call the 148 when they need a fighter mission done. They want their F-16s to go do something. Likewise with the 133rd. Everything in those two wing supports that effort to get those aircraft into the mission that they need to perform and uh, maintenance is a huge part of that sir one of your biggest assets uh, for the army and air national guard is your troops and uh, i think during the covid and uh, pandemic and some of those other things the last couple years uh what are you are you implementing new programs to help support any troops that might be struggling yeah, we, we are. And, you know, this uh, in, in FY 2022, we got some additional funding from uh, National Guard Bureau and uh, to look after what we call a prevention team. And uh, so we stood up uh, uh, what we call the J-9, who's a coordinator, the leader of that group. And uh, we have some specialists that work uh, side by side with family programs, uh, looking at some things, um, uh, you know, both on on the mental health of our service members, but also uh, working with them f- to help with resiliency um, and uh, to improve. You know, when I look at the triad, I look at uh, spiritual fitness, physical fitness, and mental fitness, and this team kind of helps with that. Uh, you know, the Army started a program program called Holistic Health and Fitness, uh, or H2F, and uh, we work that through some of this J9 directorate uh, doing some comprehensive soldier fitness, which looks at all three of those triads. And uh, we also use that prevention team to get after some of the things that are really cancers in the organization. Uh, sexual harassment uh, helps us with uh, just improving the climate in those those organizations. And, um, you know, if there was domestic violence or anything like that, uh, this team would help us get after some of that stuff. Sir, it seems uh, over the last 12 years that we've been on the air with Minnesota Military Radio that we keep seeing training, training, training as, as the, the big things that go on in the Minnesota National Guard. And you're covering just about every single thing that can possibly go wrong. It's got to be helpful that you that you train your soldiers and airmen to, to know what's expected and, and how to deal with these issues. Yeah, and uh, this is something that, you know, recently, I think we've always kind of done it, Tom, but we're, we fortunately have more resources now to get after it. And, you know, uh, partnerships is one of my priorities as well and we partner with great organizations here in the state of minnesota to help with that as well in the communities you know the 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 veterans administration that we have two great va facilities here in minnesota and we, we use those when we can use those and we use other community resources as well to really look at the health and welfare of our soldiers and their families we're speaking with major general sean mankey uh, minnesota military radio uh, General, uh, 2023 is coming up. I know there's a, a big anniversary coming up for Norex, the Norwegian Exchange. Yeah, you know, Tom, and we're, it's hard to believe that we have been doing this reciprocal troop exchange for, this will be the 50th year since the program started. Uh, you know, there's a couple years recently during the pandemic that we didn't execute it, but uh, we got back at it last year, and we have a tremendous uh, relationship with the Home Guard in Norway. Um and uh, we'll execute that in February of this year. And uh, the other thing that is exciting for us is, uh, you know, we're in a we're in a state partnership program with Croatia, a formal 
formally recognized one uh, uh, by by the you know which is a formal program which is a program that uh, you know I think uh, California National Guard has a state partnership program with um, Ukraine and it was very beneficial uh, when the conflict in Ukraine kicked off as far as communication and just helping and and we're uh, in, hoping to enter one of these formal agreements with Norway it would be a little bit different than the relationship with uh, Croatia I mean Norway is a NATO partner already but it would uh, allow us to probably do more joint exercises with them with some of our soldiers. And for our soldiers who participate in those uh, state partnership exercises, um, you know, it, it's a little bit different than going to Iraq or Kuwait or Afghanistan, uh, you know, because it's a shorter duration. And, uh, you know, they get to experience the, experience the culture and the climate of Croatia as well as uh, hopefully Norway more so in the future. General, as a casual observer of the war between uh, Russia and, and Ukraine, it appears that artillery is more important than, than it has been in maybe decades. And I know uh, Devardi's uh, got some things coming up over in Europe, uh, probably as a result of that. Well, the, there, are, there are some exercises that we have going on in this next year, and I don't know if it's because of the Ukraine conflict, but uh, you know we're going to be actively participating in some UCOM planned exercises, Defender Europe, in, in this next year, uh, with some Devardi, uh, as well as our division headquarters. Um, so we'll be over there in May and June, and uh, you know we're we're continuing to uh, work that. Uh, and again, it's a it's a great opportunity for our soldiers to do something different, and uh, you know get out of Minnesota and. Par- uh, work with our coalition partners and allies. And of course, that reinforces the importance of artillery. Generally, you've got some construction projects in the works. Yeah, we're uh, <clears throat> we continue to work f- work for work to improve our uh, facilities here in Minnesota, and we're putting a new field maintenance uh, service center in New Alm. Uh, <clears throat> I'm sorry, we we put the field maintenance service in New Alm, but we're building a new armory that's scheduled to break ground next spring. And then uh, we're doing some uh, modernization and upgrades to our readiness facilities in Moorhead and Fergus Falls, uh, which we should finish up. And then, you know, we're looking at continually working with our state legislature for some bonding and then federal money to continue to modernize our facilities as we move forward. General, we've talked about this before, but every year you have a certain number of troops that retire and you're always recruiting new troops. We talked about the opportunity for them on occasion. They get to help their family and friends and neighbors here in Minnesota. And we've mentioned Norway, Croatia, and Kuwait just in this conversation today. So there's a lot of opportunities. What would you have to say for our listeners if they're thinking about a career in the Minnesota National Guard? Hey, I would tell you that if you're interested in uh, in doing something a little bit different, uh, the Minnesota National Guard's got a spot for you. Uh, you get to do a lot of really neat things that other people don't get to do, and you get paid to do it. Uh, and the educational benefits that are uh, come of that. Minnesota, you have in-state tuition reimbursement, as well as some federal benefits that come with that. And then, oh, by the way, uh, there's re- re-enlistment bonus for the state of Minnesota, so you get to continue to serve. But uh, I would encourage you to get out and talk to a recruiter, whether on the air or the Army, and um, encourage you to serve not only in your community but our nation. It's a great opportunity, and you get more out of it than you put into it. And, sir, some of those young people might get the opportunity to fly a helicopter. Absolutely. We're looking for great people every day. And how long does it take to learn how to do that, sir? Well, when you, you know, you first you come in and then you go to flight school, it takes you about 18 months probably before you're back in the state and then flying an actual helicopter in the state of Minnesota. And how many years until you're pretty comfortable doing that? It depends, but uh, probably another year and a half, two years when you get back from that.
All right, sir, and you can, you're speaking from experience, and, Absolutely. and you're smiling right now, wishing you were back in that chopper. Yeah, it's a, it's a, you know, we, it's, it was a great experience for me, and I, you know, I, I wouldn't do anything different. And, you know, I had a little break in service when I got out of the active army before I joined the Minnesota National Guard, and I will tell you, coming into the Guard was one of the best decisions I ever made, hands down. General, I thank you for taking time to visit with us today, and I hope you have uh, you and the Minnesota National Guard have a great year in 2023. Thanks for having me, Tom. Appreciate it. That was uh, Major General Sean Mankey on Minnesota Military Radio. Please stay with us. When we come back, we're going to talk to the director of the Minneapolis VA Healthcare System. Welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio. I'm your host, Tom Lyons. In a moment, we're going to talk to the director of the Minneapolis VA Healthcare Center. But first, it's time for the Commissioner's Corner, a weekly update from the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs. Now, here's Commissioner Larry Herkey. As another successful year comes to a close, we look forward to the new challenges that 2023 brings. We will continue to serve and honor the state's veterans and strive to provide them with the benefits and quality care that they have earned through their service. Be safe this year. Take care of each other. Check in with your buddies because at the end of the day, we're stronger together. 2023 brings a lot of exciting things including the opening of three new veterans' homes in Bemidji, Montevideo, and Preston, as well as a new cemetery in Redwood Falls. Let us celebrate the past year and all of our veterans as we hit head full speed into the new year. I wish you and your family a happy, healthy, and prosperous new year. Thank you, Commissioner Herkey. For more information, please go to minnesotamilitaryradio.com. Joining me now is uh, Director Pat Kelly from the Minneapolis VA Healthcare Center. Pat Kelly is a retired U.S. Navy captain and became the director of the Minneapolis VA Healthcare System in June 2013. Director Kelly, welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio. Tom, it's a treat being with you, and here we are in studio, even even more of a treat. So thanks for having me on your show. In studio, and I don't know where all the years have gone, but uh, we've we've talked about the Minneapolis VA a lot. But before we get to that, you spent uh, a full career in the Navy and most of those years, you were taking care of uh, all those sailors. You know, I, I miss my Navy career uh, every day. So I, I was uh, I was 28 and a half years. And, and uh, you know, the great thing about the military, you get an opportunity to do all kinds of different things in all kinds of different places. And, and, and really, I view some of my work, at least with my, with my VA uh, job, as a continuation of that work that I was able to do with uh, service members when I was on active duty. So it's it's a... What, it's a great career. I wouldn't do it any other way, and I would encourage any listeners to think about the military and think about military service. Yes, sir. We got the order, and and then you retired from the military and uh, served as the director of the Sioux Falls VA from July 2011 to June 2013, and you've been in Minneapolis ever since. And seems like, uh, director, that uh, there's been a construction project going somewhere at the Minneapolis VA ever since you arrived. You know, we've been in Minneapolis for 100 years now, uh, 19... Uh, 21 we started you know we set up in a couple of hotels while we were building our first hospital and we are now in our third hospital and and you know one of the more modern VAs but uh, you know one of the great things about uh, working in the VA is that we have had a continuously good stream of money to improve our services to include a lot of construction projects so it's it's uh, you know we're we're lucky to have a very modern uh, facility with all the right stuff and all the right uh, uh, type of people to take care of our veterans and, Director, I know we, over the years we've talked about the new parking ramp and we've talked about a, there's a new uh, building that's just about done now. We're going to talk about some other new buildings. So you're constantly upgrading. Uh, and uh, it's nice. I was just out there this week for an annual visit, and we can get back in and out that front door and 
Unfortunately, we're still wearing masks, though. We're going to be wearing masks for a long time, Tom. I, you know, I think uh, COVID is still, you know, it's better, right? I mean, it's it's much better. Uh, and I think back to November of 2020 when we had, you know, 50 inpatients in our hospital with COVID. This morning we have 11. So so it's it's gotten better, but it is absolutely not done. And between COVID and the flu and the RSV, there's still good reason to be wearing a mask. And so we'll be doing that for a while. Director, I think we're all ready to put that behind us. But uh, <laughs> I told you, I think a few weeks ago, I was out there to get a flu shot. And I got that in one arm and they gave me a COVID booster in the other arm. Your people are pretty efficient. Well, it, it, it makes a difference. So whenever I get an opportunity, I do like to encourage your listeners and others to uh, get your shots. Uh, be careful, you know, because, again, we're, we're not done. And, 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 again, we've seen an uptick in our hospital and in the metro area with all of these, you know, RSVs and flus. And it's, it's uh, starting out to be kind of a, a severe flu season. So, so good time to get your shot. Better to be ready. Yeah. Director, I know you probably don't want to talk about this, but uh, I think the Minneapolis VA uh, healthcare system has, has won some awards recently. Oh, I do like to talk about things like that. <laughs> Thanks for the opportunity. Blow your own whistle here, sir. <laughs> so, uh, you know, one of the things we have been really good at over the years, and it's not obvious to our patients, but it's important to us. And, and uh, we have won a ton of environmental awards, you know, for, for many of our services that we do with clean ORs and environmental management of, uh, of, of our services. And so we are, again, for like the 11th year in a row, a top 25 hospital in the nation in terms of our green environmental management services. And so we, I have in my office a stack of about 30 awards that uh, we have gotten over the years. Brad and I have talked about we got to get those out more visible so our veterans can see them. But, but that is something we are really proud of. Rather see those veterans talking about those awards than hurry up and wait. <laughs> <laughs> Director, uh, I know we're speaking with uh, Director Pat Kelly from the Minneapolis VA Healthcare System on Minnesota Military Radio. We've had a lot of your doctors on the show, and one of them came on and talked about deep brain simulation program. I think he wanted me as a guinea pig, Director. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of things going on out there. Well, I, I don't think they did any uh, simulation on you, Tom, in the studio, but, but you know, we, we, it's, it's a good example. I like to talk about... Um, the variety of services that we can offer veterans at the VA. So this, this deep brain simulation is an example where veterans who have some severe uh, neurological issues there, where we used to send those veterans to Palo Alto, California. And, and over the, in the last year, we got approved to do that service here in our Minneapolis VA. And it's a very complex uh, neurosurgical procedure and follow-on care with our neurology staff. But, but it, it really is uh, it's life-saving and, and life-altering for those veterans to get that service. Um, Robotics, uh, again, I, we're fortunate in Minneapolis to have one of the more modern VA hospitals. And between our relationship with the University of Minnesota and other uh, uh, groups, uh, some of the very best doctors in the country as well. A lot of things going on at the Minneapolis VA, including all the research work and spinal stimulation. There's just it's, it's one of the best VAs in the country, and we're lucky to have you here. Uh, Director, I wanted to talk a little bit. Uh, we heard the, the Adjutant General talk about partnerships. And I know that uh, last week we had the governor and the commissioner on, and they were talking about homelessness and suicide prevention. And you've been right in the middle of all those discussions and and trying to help. Well, we are lucky in our state because we have a governor who is uh, all over this based on his prior work and based on his uh, sort of feelings towards veterans and and how he wants to be caring for the Minnesota veterans. And uh, and so, you know, what the VA typically brings to the fight is that we have a fair amount of resources. We have a lot of vouchers through the Housing and Urban Development, 
we have a, an army of social workers, about 50 of them, who are engaged in this homeless veteran work. And we bring a lot of shared services, you know, a lot of services we provide at our hospital, in our community resource and referral center. But the state brings a lot of great resources, too, to include a terrific registry where they identify, you know, by veteran, uh, who's homeless, what they need. And then we engage as a team to get those veterans uh, what they need in order to bring them off the streets with, with great success in our state. I'm sure the governor mentioned or the commissioner, there's only two areas in our state, Hennepin and Ramsey County, where we have got not gotten to functional zero in homelessness. So really, really good accomplishments and in large part due to the great partnership with MACV, uh, Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs, the VA, and all kinds of people who are engaged in this work. Director, one of the things we talked about last week, of course, was suicide prevention and the fact that uh, for not just for our veterans, but the families of the veterans, you need to, to watch the veterans. If you see them change, if they're more depressed, if they're drinking more, if they're having something has changed in their attitude, ask them what, yeah. what the problem is. And, and the, what I want to get to with you is if they're thinking about suicide and there is some kind of problem, you have the resources to help them. We, that, that's the, the number one clinical priority at RVA, and we just had our undersecretary out this week, Dr. Sharif Elnahal. <clears throat> He's continuing that as a number one clinical priority for us because it's a travesty when veterans are taking their lives, and we need to do better and we need to do more. But one of the things we've learned about this, as you're pointing out, Tom, is that uh, you shouldn't, if you're, if you're coming in contact with somebody who you think has a need, don't let it go. Don't ignore it. Um, 988, press 1. That veteran can get engaged on a crisis line. What they do then is they immediately turn that veteran over to somebody in the local area at the Minneapolis VA for us to get in touch with that veteran and their family if needed. But, uh, but the main message really is ask them, are, are you struggling or do you need help? And then, uh, and then get them help. There's lots of resources. Hard question, Director, but it's easier than uh, after the fact saying, I wish I would have. Yeah. And that 988-1 is not only just for the veterans, but for the families because help is available. Yeah, and it's 24-7. And, and again, the really cool part about that is it will connect those veterans back to the local VA. So there is, in addition to being able to get some counseling on the phone, if, need, if follow-up is needed locally, uh, we're all over that. Director, we have to take a short break. When we come back, I'd like to talk about 2023 and uh, – See if you've got a new construction helmet you're going to have to wear because there's always something going on. We're speaking to Director Pat Kelly from the Minneapolis VA Healthcare System on Minnesota Military Radio. Please stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio. I'm your host, Tom Lyons. We've been speaking with Pat Kelly, who is the uh, director of the Minneapolis VA Healthcare System on uh, Minnesota Military Radio. And, Director, we haven't talked uh, yet about. Uh, your C-Box, your outpatient clinics. There's, there's some work going on out there. Yeah, and... yeah. So we have 13 clinics spread throughout the state, ranging from Albert Lee in the south to Ely in the north. And so what, what we do in those community-based clinics, Tom, is that we provide a core of services to include primary care, mental health, and lots of telehealth. So veterans who live in Hibbing don't have to drive to Minneapolis to do a follow-up from their surgery. The doctor can get on the line. They can do it from there. So uh, <clears throat> this year, we are either – growing new C-Box, uh, new locations, or doing some pretty significant expansions in the ones that we already have. So, uh, <clears throat> for example, um, three clinics uh, that are in February of this year are going to be opening up uh, in new locations, St. James, Mankato, and in our Maplewood location. Uh, all three will be moving into new uh, and improved uh, spaces, some new services, physical therapy, in some cases, some eye clinics, some audiology exams, and so 
Again, it's our effort to move services closer to where veterans live and to expand those services uh, in addition to what's available in the community and so they don't have to drive to Minneapolis. And directly, we learned during COVID for, for those two years that uh, you can do a lot of things remotely, oh. uh, and even the doctors can visit with their patients remotely. Some of that's going to stay, isn't it? Oh, by all means. In fact, uh, thinking about how we manage our workforce, uh, a lot of our staff who uh, went remote or virtual due to the COVID, uh, that has worked out just great. It's worked out good for the staff. It's worked out for our veterans. And so what uh, what I have observed over the last couple of years is that you don't even know where people are. You're talking to people, and many of my staff, they might be in South Carolina or they might be in San Diego. I thought they were working in the building across the street, but uh, it, but it all works because the technology makes it work, and, and, this, and veterans like it. Uh, if a veteran wants to be seen face-to-face, we will always accommodate that. But in many cases, it's easier and better. You know, if you're thinking about the veteran who has some mental health needs, some veterans are more comfortable doing it over a video uh, or even over the telephone than they are coming into the hospital and doing it face-to-face with a doctor. So we, we're trying to meet the needs of veterans the way they want their health care. But virtual health care is uh, pretty remarkable. Well, and I think it, it made a major jump in its uh, availability and use, and you're going to keep using that in the future. But for those veterans that do need to come in, You've got some great partnerships with all the veteran service organizations, but a good example is the Disabled American Veterans. I'm not sure, 30-some vans. I don't know how many vans they've got on the road now, but it helps those veterans get to their appointments. You know, if veterans need transportation, uh, the DAV has been an incredible partner in, in our state and really across the nation. But it, it's uh, they, they have a whole cadre of people who will uh, schedule appointments for veterans to get transportation. You know, the counties, many of the county veteran service officers in the counties provide a similar service to their veterans. And we have what's referred to as a veterans transportation system, operates mostly in the metro area, but, but we will get out and bring veterans in if they need appointments too, so, or take them home when they, when they, need, when they can't get a ride. So, so transportation uh, uh, shouldn't be an issue. Sometimes it remains an issue, but we have a lot of good options for transporting veterans. So, Director, there's a lot of resources available, a lot of partnerships in Minnesota. I think we, we must be doing as well as any state in the country. Well, you know, between, um, you know, the, the service organizations, uh, who have great leaders. And, you know, I know you're very familiar with the Commander's Task Force, and you, you meet with them, and, you know, they have great leaders. All 87 counties in our state have county veteran service officers. They're smart people. Their, their job is to really understand the benefits, the health care needs, how, how to connect veterans to the VA if they need them. So I always advise veterans. Sometimes it's easier to contact your county veteran service officer than it is to try to get engaged, at least initially, with with the VA because, Sometimes, you know, it's a large organization, hard to know who to contact. But every county has at least one county veteran service officer. Hennepin County has 10 or 11. There are a lot of people who can help veterans in your county and where you live. We're speaking with Director Pat Kelly from the Minneapolis VA Healthcare System on Minnesota Military Radio. Director, uh, we've talked in the past, uh, the military has changed. Uh, I understand in the Minnesota National Guard, it's possibly up to 25% of the troops now are, are female, women. Yeah. And, and you've got more and more women coming out to the VA. And I'm pretty excited. We've talked about this before. Your next big project, I think, is a, a brand-new women's clinic. Yeah. The, the reason it's important that we have a place for our women veterans, Tom, who where they feel safe and, and where they're going to get uh, the health care that they need uh, in a safe environment. And so we've heard from many of our female veterans that they feel uncomfortable coming to the VA. It's sort of a men's club uh, it's been referred to. And uh, so while half of our staff are females and female providers, uh, a lot of the veterans, uh, women veterans, again, feel more comfortable having a dedicated place where they can get their health care. So 
we're going to put a shovel in the ground probably at, uh, as soon as the as soon as it thaws, maybe in uh, March or so. And one year later, open up what's going to be a dedicated women's clinic, uh, a standalone building. Uh, drive up, drop off, get most of the services that our women veterans need in that clinic. Some services, they'll still come into the medical center to get some of their care. But we're going to have uh, blood draw and imaging and all kinds of other services in that building so our women veterans can feel safe and see their provider right there in that dedicated center. And, Director, in the meantime, if they if they don't feel comfortable coming to the Minneapolis uh, VA hospital, you can have some some of your volunteers meet them at the door and, well, and go with them to all their appointments. By all means. You know, we have, a, we have 150 people who wear red vests in our hospital. They're referred to as our ambassadors, and uh, any 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 veteran, uh, any female veteran certainly, if they feel uncomfortable, need some additional help, want an escort, uh, we have escorts, we have volunteers, we have a lot of people who will support them in that need. Director, how could you run that facility without all your volunteers? Oh, we couldn't. I mean, we have right now we have about eight hundred. Pre COVID time, we had about fifteen hundred volunteers, and so again, it's it's slowly working its way back up to bigger numbers. But we save millions of dollars every year. And, and, the, and the cool thing about our volunteers, you know, they want to be there. Our staff wants to be there, too. But these people, these volunteers are working for nothing. They're there. They're happy. They're greeting veterans. Uh, what an unbelievable asset they are to our uh, VA. So you're still trying to attract some volunteers uh, as you move forward? Anybody who wants to volunteer, we will absolutely do that. We, we have very few restrictions, uh, some maybe age restrictions uh, on the low side. We'll take a, even an old guy like me could volunteer at the Minneapolis VA if they wanted to. But, uh, yeah, we're always taking volunteers. Very good, sir. Now, uh, Director, uh, I, I'm referring to 2022 as the year of the veteran because Congress passed the PACT Act or the Burns Pit Act and the state of Minnesota passed the Omnibus uh, Veterans Bill. But that PACT Act has kind of opened up the aperture going to be a lot more veterans that are eligible for services from the VA. How's that impacting you? You know, so far what has happened is that we are doing a lot of exposure screens, and so any veteran who wants to get screened for a toxic exposure uh, event uh, can get that done with their primary care doctor. The 1st of January, you know, the, the Veterans Benefits is going to start processing those new claims, and when they do, it's going to result in a number of veterans being eligible for more services or initially being eligible for services. We expect around March or April, many of those veterans will then be seeking health care. Again, most of them are veterans who've already been engaged in health care, but many new veterans who will be enrolling in health care based on the PACT Act. Uh, So it means that we're going to have to, we're trying to ramp up our staff in order to be prepared for that. More, More providers in our clinics, more providers in our hospital, because we expect to have more veterans engaging in VA health care based on the PACT Act, and that's a good thing. So when they pass that, they, they also anticipate the fact that you're going to need to hire more people and, and authorize you to get ahead of that. So they, you know, and one of the things I've maybe I've referenced before, Tom, is, you know, we, we have the money to do that. We struggle with the workforce. We, we struggle because everybody's struggling now, and, and you may know that in our state, the Minnesota Hospital Association recently announced that 22% of, of, of uh, positions in hospitals in our state are vacant. You know, we're experiencing that same issue because a lot of the workforce has exited health care. So, so we have the money. We need people to want to come, come and work for the VA. So we're, we're, we're hiring. So, Director, we've got about a minute left. You are hiring, and you're, I would guess you're hiring all positions. We are hiring doctors. We're hiring nurses. We're hiring housekeepers. We're hiring nutrition people, pharmacists. We're hiring all positions. So, so again, it's a, you know, there are a lot of great benefits working for the federal government, uh, Sometimes we don't pay as much as all others, but it's close. 
but our benefits in terms of health care and, and others are really terrific. Yeah, and you're lucky here in Minnesota you get some of those medical personnel through your partnership with the University of Minnesota. By all means. And from the Guard and Reserve, we get, we get people with good experience, medical experience, coming to work for us. Director, we've got about 30 seconds left. Any uh, final messages for, uh, for our listeners? Well, I want to just thank our veterans and, and your listeners for, <clears throat> you know, their uh, engaging uh, in health care and anything that we can do for them. Uh, we have patient advocates at our hospital. Uh, we want to give them the very best service that they deserve and that they've earned. So, so thank you for entrusting us with your care, and uh, thank you, Tom, for having me on the show. Director, thanks for joining us again today for our year in review. That was Director Pat Kelly from the Minneapolis VA Healthcare System. We're just about out of time. Thanks for listening to this edition of Minnesota Military Radio. I'd like to thank our guests for joining us this week. Uh, Minnesota's Adjutant General, Major General Sh- uh, Sean Mankey, Director Pat Kelly from the Minneapolis VA Healthcare System, Commissioner Larry Herkey, the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs. Please join us next week as we talk about positions available at the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs to help open the three new veterans' homes in outstate Minnesota. That's coming up next weekend on this station or online anytime at minnesotamilitaryradio.com. I'm Tom Lyons, and I hope that you make a difference in someone's life this week. Minnesota Military Radio is a production of iHeartMedia, the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs, the Minneapolis VA, Beyond the Yellow Ribbon, and the Minnesota National Guard. Your host is Tom Lyons, founder and owner of Phelan Partners Limited, a merger and acquisition advisory firm. Tom is a life member of the American Legion, VFW, Vietnam Veterans of America, and the DAV. For podcasts and the latest updates, follow us at minnesotamilitaryradio.com. 